need a bigger boat. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Life, uh, finds a way. Welcome back to Spielberg Chronologically. This is the podcast for myself, Jeff, and Eric. Hey, how's it going? We go through every single one of Steven Spielberg's films in chronological order, and we are not a duo today. We are, in fact, a trio. A podcasting three-way is about to go down uh, with us from uh, my other podcast, The Movie Draft House. You've heard about it. Well, now you get, uh, you know, a semi-preview of what to expect over there from the Movie Draft House. It's Mark. Hey, a wise man once said that it's not gay if it's a three-way. I believe that was the, um, uh, I can't think of it right now. Um, It was the duo from Saturday Night Live and Lady Gaga. And Lady Gaga. Justin Timberlake and what's the other guy? Andy, Andy, Andy Samberg. 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 Yep. God, I almost said yep. circus. That's not right. That's, is that still <laughs> That's true? The wrong guy. You know, if it was Andy Circus, <laughs> is it still true that it's not gay if it's a three-way if it's all three dudes? I don't know. Have you ever seen Autofocus, the Greg Kinnear movie about uh, the guy from Ho- Hogan's Heroes? No. Yeah. Uh, at one point, uh, Green Goblin gets a little too touchy with Greg Kinnear during a three-way, and. Uh, there's difficulties. Takes you right out the mood. They Sorry. do not. Oh, they, he did not agree <laughs> with uh, Andy Circus. Um, it's like, don't touch, well, anyway, don't we're touch going me. blue right away. So this is what you get over at the movie Draft House. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about you Abraham know. Lincoln immediately, <laughs> immediately <laughs> with the three ways. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's the difference between my two pods. Um, anyway, uh, so we'll can stop imagine, this talk. Can Can you imagine? No, we won't. I guess Mary we'll Todd Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, Thaddeus Stevens. Oh, well, I mean, there's, some, there's, some, there's already some size difficulties right. at play <laughs> between Mary Todd and Abraham. You add in, you add in, uh, and there's some, there's some, there's some underlying stuff between limpy, old limpy, Thaddeus limpy. And, 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 and Mary Todd. I just, there, there is some underlying stuff between them. That scene between them, like, as I was thinking about it afterwards, I was kind of like, why Why is that scene even in the movie, right? Like, other than... What me- movie are we talking about? <laughs> well, Lincoln. Oh, that's right. Lincoln from 2012, directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, starring Daniel Day-Lewis, the wonderful Sally Field, who both Eric and I uh, love. Uh, Mark, how do you feel about Sally Field? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm a fan. I, I, I don't know how I feel about her in this film, but I'm a fan. Anyway, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, James Spader, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, Tim Blake Nelson. You would on, save time uh, by naming who's not in this movie. Okay, Right. Uh, Lee Pace would be the last one I would make a point of bringing up. And then also um, in a small role, uh, what's his name from? Um, Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver. I, I wasn't even going with him, but the guy from Chronicle. And he was the Green Goblin in the second Andy Garfield oh, movie. Yeah, no, yeah. I was really surprised to see uh, him. Um, I Because at first when he came on, I'm like, oh, look, it's Leo. 
But I don't know why my brain saw Leo. I always do that with that guy. He he always reminds me of Leo. Um, but yeah, I mean, like as this movie started, like I was, I was, I went in cold. Like I did not know the cast in this movie beyond Daniel Day Lewis. I wasn't even really aware of Sally Field. And during those first like thirty minutes, it just keeps plopping one person after another on you. Like oh my, oh my God, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh my God, it's James Spader. Like just like one after another, they just keep coming and coming and coming. Everybody in this movie almost is recognizable. You know, like it's it's a huge, ridiculously talented and famous cast. Like yeah. beyond impressive. Yeah, Dane DeHaan is who uh, i was yeah. referring to yeah and he's he's only in the movie for like five seconds a blip yeah and so is driver right driver has one scene of course this is before force awakens so adam driver is not yet a household name very much just him i guess getting his foot in the door and not a bad place to do it in a spielberg movie uh so usual question uh let's start with our guest mark have you had any history with lincoln uh, other than history class, no. Um, With I had, the film specifically. The film, no. And I'll be honest, I, I wrote this one off because I wasn't interested in, uh, I guess, the history lesson um, of the film. And I, if it wasn't for this podcast, I, I would not have likely watched it. Um, so i uh, never seen it, uh, but I'm glad I did. How about you, Eric? Nope. Totally, totally skipped this one. Like, yeah. yeah, And, and it's one of those things where, you know, like I have what I call Sunday afternoon movies, right? It's when like the kids are busy doing something on Sunday afternoon. My wife is busy doing something and I pick something that I haven't ever seen before. And I'm like, ah, this is something that I should really catch up on. This likely would have eventually been a Sunday afternoon movie, right? Like, I must have stopped on this thing on Netflix or Prime or wherever it was currently playing at least 10 times and said, I gotta watch this Lincoln movie, and then just never committed, right? Um, So, no, I, I had not seen it. And like I said, I went in cold. I didn't know about the cast. I really didn't know what the focus of the story was. So... Like, I didn't know if it was like a life, a life autobiography of Lincoln. Right. Or if it was going to focus on in and, and the fact that it focused on this one specific political chapter really worked for like I was I was I was down like I was really into it. So. Uh, so, no, I, I came to this very cold. Yeah. Same. I I would never have watched this if it weren't for the podcast. I'm generally not a big history. I like history. In some forms, generally not in my movie. Um, I don't know why. It's just one of those things. And um, But yeah, this I was surprised. It's like, oh, it's two and a half hours, which is a, a long movie for me. But for a Spielberg biopic, I was like, I thought this was going to be three, three and a half hours. I mean, Lincoln has got a long, there's a lot to cover there. But like you said, they just really focus on getting the 13th Amendment through the house. And that's it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's that window in time. Even the the assassination is is glossed over. Um, and you, there's like no drama. I don't even think they casted John Wilkes Booth Mm-mm. in this film. Like, he's not in it. And so that took me by surprise. Yeah, I really, um, but, I really, I, I was going to say this towards the end, but I could have done without the assassination. Yeah, like, same. like yeah. I don't, I don't think it was necessary. Like, I, f- 
since they did do it, I really liked how it was done. Like, I liked that it had the younger son in the theater watching a production and you didn't know that he wasn't in the same theater as the president. Right. And, I was waiting for the president to get killed. And like, yeah. as soon as they showed him, I was like, oh no, he was there? Like, that's horrible that he was there. But it turned out, no, he wasn't there. He was in a different theater and the guy comes out and says, oh, the president shot. And like, the the that kid in that moment earned his paycheck you know like i really thought that that kid's reaction was very striking and emotional and visceral and real that said they could have ended the movie with lincoln walking down the hall you yeah. know there's the scene yeah. prior on the to way that. to it i yeah i agree like he could have like done the thing with the gloves thrown the gloves on the table and walked down the hall and you know what's gonna happen you know and and I think I agree. I think that would have been better. They could have just stopped it right there. Like I'm not mad that it was there, but I didn't need it. You know, like it, yeah. it would have been just as emotionally impactful just to roll credits with him walking away. I think more so. Uh, spoilers: uh, Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln gets killed. <laughs> Lincoln dies. Yeah, he gets guys. assassinated. <laughs> I mean, I know it's Damn several it. hundred years old Jeff at this point, but fuck. <laughs> um. So, uh, Mark, did you did you like this? Just general thoughts? Yeah, um, I, th- I yeah, it's so supremely well acted um, by everybody, like top top down uh, everybody. And actually, I thought while well, Daniel Day Lewis's uh, performance is fantastic, I thought the character of Lincoln. Um, was annoying and i think that's probably the point um but i just did not i did not care for um just the the all the monologues that he had and it it just his character what i I didn't care for how his character was maybe written i don't know um but i did uh i did enjoy it because like this is a an old-fashioned um courtroom-esque uh, drama where uh, you you don't get a ton of backstory on the characters you're, you're it's a, the movie assumes that you just know kind of know who these these people are or most of these people and you're just meant to go through this uh, brief period of time while um, while they're trying to gain support for for this amendment and um, Overall, I, I really enjoyed the film. I, I did not uh, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Um, I didn't think he, barely in the movie. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's a he's a central figure in the second half of this movie. Um, he's he's one of the the main focal points of uh, Lincoln and and Mary's uh, marital drama. Um, you know, that's true. And so, but I, I just didn't think he, he didn't really serve a purpose other than to establish why they were kind of on the rocks. Um, we could have kept it to the, to the house and, um, and just gone with, through with the, uh, you know, trying to gain support for this amendment. But uh, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I do think that that we'll get into that, but it's, I do think that played importance into the whole thing of him trying to stop the war and like the balance it. Cause that's really like the focal point is like balancing ending the war or ending slavery um, and him trying to do both. Uh, well, but, at one point he uh, Lincoln it's, it's in the scene where uh, he's with uh, Adam driver's uh, character 
you know, he stops short of offering uh, the Confederacy like peace talks, um, you know. And so, uh, like in that one scene, he's he, he almost goes through with it, and he almost foregoes trying to get this amendment passed. And um, I, I thought that was really good storytelling in, in a brief, you know, five six minute scene. Yeah, I, I think that it does a, a tremendous job of showing that that push and pull the entire time. And you're right, it does just start and expects you to just catch up with who all these people are, you know. And and to the movie's credit, you do. You know, like you do catch up on who everybody is and what their opinions are and everything. But but that push and pull that that you were talking about, like like essentially I could stop the war right now and save all these lives. But if I do, then that brings the southern states back into the fold. They're going to get to vote on the 13th Amendment, and it'll never pass, and the United States will have slavery forever, right? And so he's 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 left with this just wicked devil's choice of of the lady or the tiger, right? Like, like it's like, do I stop the war right now and save the lives of all these people as the battles are raging still? Or do I extend it a little more and roll the dice and take this gamble that I can outlaw slavery once and for all and, and you know, get this pushed through and then that in turn will stop the war. But, you know, like it is a gamble. He doesn't know 100 percent that he can do it. And I think like like watching that play out in his mind and listening to him like reason through it and why he thinks it's important to do uh is amazing i loved the scene where he breaks down for his cabinet why the emancipation proclamation wasn't legal like (laughs) i thought it was amazing like there's so much stuff in this movie that i just didn't know like i didn't know the Mm -hmm. order of the emancipation proclamation and then the 13th amendment and how you know how it all came together and stuff but when he sits there and just logically breaks down the fact that if they don't get this done it's all gonna fall apart like it, it it wasn't legal what he did necessarily it's in this weird gray area and if it's challenged in the courts it probably wouldn't hold up right because the emancipation proclamation was a seizure of property from a foreign nation who's at war and they never acknowledged the confederates as a nation and so it fell into this weird gray area and uh I, i don't know it was fascinating there's so many little like these people talk a lot in this movie. Like they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. But if you're paying attention, there are amazingly cool little nuggets of history and logic. And it's just like this giant puzzle that they're all trying to circle around and, uh, you know, find the correct pieces so they can assemble it, you know, in the right order so that it doesn't all just come crashing down when the war ends. I don't know. I did really, really cool. Yeah. I, not a history buff and i just i guess in my brain going through school and this will tell you how good schooling is i just assumed we won the civil war slavery's done like it was just kind of hand in hand like this is how it happened you know i didn't realize that you had that law passed now it hasn't been ratified uh and it doesn't happen until december the same year and it gets you know passed in january lincoln dies like four months later before it ever gets ratified, you know, it's just kind of interesting to get those timelines in my head. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like 
Uh, I really did appreciate the history lesson um, of the film. I also like that he has employed, maybe through an intermediary, a trio of, what do you call these guys? Um, like, they're mercenary vote getters lobbyists um, i guess they're lobbyists uh, there you go they are they are paid for their services they're just uh they're yeah they're mercenaries they're mercenaries guns. right mercenary lobbyists for sure yeah great characters did you, fantastic did you get the feeling that james spader's character was racist and not a um like he didn't have a dog in the fight i but there's a moment where he is using the n-word and like kind of feels like oh that's what side of the fence he's on, but money's more important. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I caught that. I do think the movie didn't shy away from the parlance of the times, for sure. You know, like like that is how people talked then, and you know, the movie doesn't try to gloss that over at all. Um, I I do think that James Spader is one of the more fascinating characters in the movie, as far as his motivations go. I I think. I think he he's a mercenary. Like I, 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 if he is racist and cares about whether or not the the amendment passes, I think the paycheck is more important to him, you know. And he's just going to try to still get the job done. So, um, but yeah, like everything with those guys, I thought was fantastic. You know, every scene with them going out and trying to convince these uh, uh, the Democrats who are opposed to the. Uh, the passing of the 13th Amendment, trying to convince them one by one to vote yes on it. Um, and all the little, I don't know, little tiny segments of misadventures that they have. You know, at the the one point where the guy pulls out the gun and shoots at him and then stands there trying to reload it while he's gathering his papers on the ground. I thought that was <laughs> fantastic. Um, so yeah. You can never go wrong with uh, Tim Blake Nelson and John Hawks. Uh, as like just side characters in your movie, uh, they're they're so good. Both of those, uh, and and James Spader as well. Um, they're so good at just eating up screen time, um, no matter how much screen time they actually have. Um, they're just uh, magnetic every time they're on screen. Yeah, or how would you like this? The spinoff film of these three just going on adventures. A review yeah, of, of this movie that I read uh, described these three as having rolled out of a Mark Twain novel. And yep. I was like, yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly who these guys are. They're like ruffians that just rolled out of an alley into the White House and started working for the president, you know? Uh, Jeff, I think we got that film and it was Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? No. Um, uh, anyway... Lord, go back and listen to the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou episode of Movie Draft House. Uh, I want to talk briefly about Lee Pace. I'm a Lee Pace fan, uh, mostly from Pushing, uh, Daisies. Pushing Daisies. Yeah, man. Love that show, but he was also in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. He's just awesome. There's something magnetic about him, and like his a bit like to me, he's like a better Jude Law. Like, oh, like he oh, has more char- charisma. Hold on. And to me, be quiet, Mark. Let me finish. <laughs> be to me, like Jude every Law. time I see him and thinks he's just more. And I like Jude Law. Like, go back and listen to the AI episode. It's the only thing I liked about that movie. Um, but I really like Jude Law in this, or see Lee Pace in this. Um, and it's just another thing to get to see him in. Where I, th- I feel like this has actually allowed him to have more. 
range and energy than he normally does in most of his stuff. That's true. I normally think of him as as reserved, kind of witty. But I mean, this this movie lets him whoop it up. I mean, like it it, it in general, the Congress scenes are so much more energetic than you would expect them to be. Like, uh, you know, they're just slinging arrows at each other left and right, just like vicious insults being hurled across the Congress, you know, at each other. And, uh, but some of the some of the speeches that Lee Pace is, is able to give in opposition of the Thirteenth Amendment and just the very offensive idea that they would even consider going against you know the laws of God yeah. and nature and freeing the slaves. You know, like he really like just chews the scenery and he's holding the papers and he's shaking them at the other side and you know like it's it's pretty great. Like it, it's it's very. Uh, uh, for as big of a shithead as he is in the movie, <laughs> it's a great performance. Right, I'm talking about the actor yeah. playing the character. Yeah, the totally. character is a hateful, you know, gar- like he's a garbage guy. But, you know, um, that was one of the things I found interesting watching this is that uh, the abolitionist uh, like Tommy Lee Jones' Thaddeus Stevens were considered uh, extremist. And what was the term? I don't think they used extremists, but fundamental radicals, radical. They want to not only do they want to abolish it, but then they want to give voting rights. You know, Tommy Lee was the most radical of the radicals. He was at one point talking about reparations like he was like, we are going to take their shit and we're going to divvy it out to these slaves and we're going to give it to them. And fuck those guys. We're taking it. <laughs> like he was like yeah. he was going all the way with it. And, and it's uh, not until the end of the movie that we get we really find out, you know, why, why? I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I I don't know if it's necessarily a why. It's it's more of like an unfolding as to uh motivations how maybe. how liberal his views really are you know well but i think i think, I think had so, he not had that relationship with his with his housekeeper i think he still probably would have fallen where he fell on on the political range i think where he fell on the political range allowed for him to have that relationship with his housekeeper but i don't think that that was his motivation for you know like i think it was like a character aspect, i don't know about motivation a character but it, driver you know I think of like as a as a, a man, you know, I, when I got married, then I started understanding a little more about women's needs and, you know, their rights and how they feel about things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we have been doing this as men. And, and, and I'm wondering, like, and again, this is all speculation, but like if he started his relationship, fell in love with her and then he really I mean, already if he's he's falling in love with um his housekeeper um he's already probably pretty open to that obviously and he's already probably against slavery but i think maybe that even lights the fire a little more underneath him to be as fervent and extreme quote unquote as he is so i i just found that interesting and because it's radical is a word that gets thrown around even in today um you know, and it, and it just kind of makes me interested, you know, of the things that today and so many years are we going to look back and be like, ooh, you know, because it wasn't that long ago that um, it was fine to, to use gay as a way to describe something you didn't like. Right. And so it just makes me wonder when we get 
five years, 10 years down the road and we look back, which of those radicals today are the ones who are like, uh, maybe they were right. You know, I don't want to get too deep into any particular topic, but it's just interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that Tommy Lee's character is one of one of the strongest in the film and, and definitely one of the most interesting. Like I perked up every time he showed up on screen because he was so no nonsense and he was wily. Like the scene mm. where he realizes he's going to have to like scale back on his rhetoric a little bit. And these guys are going to try to trick him into saying something that he really feels, but they're going to try to trick him into saying it on the floor of Congress, which might flip people over to the other side. And, and, the way he kind of handles that and, and and then afterwards it's talking about like, you know, like, I guess there's not a damn thing that I won't say to get this passed. You know, like, yeah. like he's going to do whatever it takes to, to push it through. Like he, he is a, a hardliner, no nonsense. But I think I think the best scene that he has Oh, the one I already could tell you where when the dude comes in, the he's like a, a Democrat and he's losing his. Yeah. Oh, he just tears that dude up. He just like absolutely like is is not there to take shit at all. Like, like just absolutely floors those people. And, and, and I, I was wondering, like, in this day and age with our current Congress, if there are guys that are like that, like if there are guys that have been there for so long and they're so respected that they'll bring in like junior members and just chew them a new asshole, you know? Well, I don't know about chew them a new asshole, but I think John McCain and when they're trying to overturn Obamacare and he's a Republican and all the Republicans are voting to overturn this and it comes down to his vote. He walks in, drops the thumbs down, walks out. And you could see Mitch McConnell's face just drop. And he's just that guy who bit around for so long. And he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to do the right thing. You know, yeah. <laughs> really, that's kind of what I thought of um, uh, with that is like a guy who's just like, I don't care what bridges I burn down. Yeah. I mean, that's that really. I mean, John McCain is a great example. Somebody somebody that I didn't agree with politically very often at all. But an elder statesman who just commands respect, right? Yeah, like, and like, you can go back and watch when um, someone was like, like talking about Obama, not about his policies, like when they were debating, but like, hey, oh, he's evil and from the devil or whatever, and he stops and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. No, we just disagree. He's a good man. We just disagree. And it's like, we so desperately need that now very much in american politics very much need that we need people to be like no we just disagree and and have comfortable calm conversations but you know yeah yeah there 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 is that desperately lacking like i remember towards the end of his life like he was dying of brain cancer and he's still like putting on his suit and showing up for the votes and you know like making sure that you know he's going to be there for the the important moments and all that i mean uh yeah so anyhow tommy lee in the movie fantastic and that is a great scene and then it has a huge payoff later in the movie when the actual vote takes place and and the guy votes to pass the thing um in general that vote scene is just stellar like absolutely stellar all the little character moments that it works into it and everything uh really really cool 
Yeah, we'll get more into that. So, Mark, you said you didn't like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this film. Was it his character, or you just don't like uh, JGL? No, I'm a big JGL fan. Uh, I just didn't like his character. I didn't think his character really needed to be in the film. Um, But, I mean, I I get why he was, but, you know, I I just... His character kind of deserved the, the, the secondary plot more than anything else. Um, and, you know, he didn't really get, get a lot to work with. Um, I think he's a pretty fantastic actor in his own right. He just, he just didn't have a whole lot uh, here in this film. Uh, but one character I really did enjoy was, uh, and he's Wiley as well, uh, is David Strathairn's character. Um, as uh, Lincoln's, I think was he chief of staff or secretary of uh, state? Secretary of state. Secretary of state. That's right. Um, he was awesome. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, like, he, he, if Daniel Day Lewis is the lead, David Strathairn is, um, you know, almost right there with him as far as like screen time and dialogue. And he, um, he has a couple scenes with uh, Daniel Day Lewis where. Um, Lincoln is just on one of his um, tangents of uh, of just kind of nonsense uh, storytelling. It's not nonsense, but and, yes. <laughs> and 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 uh, Dan- David Strathairn's character just goes, "I don't know what the fuck you just said." <laughs> I mean, he doesn't put it that eloquently, but um, essentially, he's, well, there's that one scene where there, I, I think it's the war is still happening, and it's like late at night. And Lincoln's about to start in on one of his stories, and one of the people in the room goes, "Damn it, I can't take it!" And yeah. he just leaves. You're gonna tell a, a damn story, yep. and he storms out. And I loved that. Yep. Um, it's one of those things that I notice in a lot of screenwriting today, where someone will answer a question with an anecdote, right? And it's just something that, like, if you know about it, it can be one of those things that starts to bother you. And that's Lincoln. At least it was consistent with the character. But it's one of those things that I see is like, hey, how do you feel about this? Well, you know, back in the day when my dog was, you know, okay. But I, I really appreciated the guy that stormed. I, was like, I can't take it because uh, I just thought that was funny. I mean, I think I think that that is who Lincoln was, right? Like, I, I mean, everything that you hear about him, like, like folksy, down to earth keeps his cards close to his chest doesn't really like reveal what he's thinking communicates through like stories and anecdotes uh you know and then like has wisdom to impart when he feels so inclined but is generally kind of soft-spoken doesn't want to be around a whole lot of people you know like just wants to be off by himself thinking things through and so on so like i don't know like i, I can see I think the movie does a great job in in showing just how frustrating it could be to work with somebody like that because even the people that are closest to him he keeps secrets from them. Like like the way he delays the contingent from the south coming north to parlay for peace, you know, he doesn't tell hardly anyone that he's doing that, you know? And so half the people don't even know that 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 party exists and that they're on their way. The ones that do don't know that he's delayed them, you know? So he's kind of like really like playing poker with everybody, including his own staff. Um, And, and you can, you can see how that frustration would like bubble over, you know, but 
I think it also does a good job in portraying like that's how he had to be to get the job done. You know, there are so many factions. There are so many opinions. Everybody. I mean, he loses his temper at one point. He's like, God damn it. If I have to listen to you fools go on about this anymore. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. Just shut up. You know? Yeah. One of the few moments where he loses his shit really good. Yeah. I think that's kind of what's so good about this movie is like it really holds back on when he's going to lose it. Uh, one thing I did find interesting is that he does treat his wife and son differently than he does everyone else, which is true for all of us, right? You know, he's always calm and collected. And then Robert and Mary Todd are around and he's a lot more, he can be a lot more hot headed. Um, you know, they've been married for ages and he could, that, short temper you know that can sometimes build up between married couples where they just push each other's buttons maybe inadvertently and uh i thought that was well done as well well i mean like uh, mary todd is frustrating as shit i would imagine you know like not i mean obviously she's in mourning for her child and i don't want to uh you know belittle that or make light of it or whatever but, I mean, the dude is running a country, and there's a war, and he's got shit going on, and his wife gives him zero quarter. She, she like, is not giving him any leeway on what she wants, right? She is just like, God damn it, if you let our son enlist, you are going to hear from me. And, like, you can see when she says that, like, the weight of that threat, like, it is a serious, serious threat. And he's been dealing with all of her emotions and her instabilities. And I think the point where he snaps on her is like, I should have thrown you in the clink yeah. when I had the chance. Like, probably something that he would regret saying eventually. But you can understand, like, why in that moment with all this shit that he has going on, he just has that moment of, God damn it, not you two. You're like, not right well, now. And she you know? counters it. She goes, well, then do it. Yeah. Do it this time. It even like calls him out almost like, you weren't man enough to put me away last time. Do it this time if you're going to send him to war. Well, I think what, do a, it. what <laughs> great, another thing this movie does so well is show what a force of nature she is. Right. And she's right. At that moment when she says to him, all anybody's going to remember about me is that I'm crazy. I went into this movie. The only thing I knew about her was that she, like, eventually got thrown in the asylum, you know, like, and, and that she had emotional difficulties or whatever. That's all I knew about her. But, like, showing just what a force she is. And I think that scene with Tommy Lee that we were referencing earlier is really, like, like she takes this formidable guy who, you know, everybody is afraid of and just stands there and stops the reception line in the White House to just dog this dude like just absolutely like dress him down in front of everybody um and it, it really shows like what a what a presence she really is you know and, and, and in turn how much influence she has over the president as well I, I think uh maybe one of the my favorite scenes is after I think it's after the the, the amendment has passed and um, Mary and Lincoln are in, in the wagon and uh, he turns to her and he says, we have to be happier um, or something to that effect. I, I just thought it was a really good callback to, you know, 
just all of the standoff, uh, standoffish um, conversations that they had throughout the film, and um, especially the big blow up in the room, and and you know he just kind of just calmly says, "Hey, we have to be happier," and and I I really think the movie could end it there, and um, you know it's just there's a lot of little dialogue in this film that make a big impact and you don't, I, I mean, I was just calling back to it now and I was like, man, that's a good scene. And I didn't really think about it, the scene in the moment. Um, and another scene that I, I, I really enjoyed that was just a little bit of dialogue was between Lincoln and Grant and the guy who played Grant, he's really good. I don't, I don't, I don't forget his name, but uh, Jared uh, Harris. Yeah. Nick. I mean, you've seen him before. I mean, he's in a ton of stuff, um, but he's just so c- cool and calm um, as you know, uh, general of the, uh, the union army. And he tells Lincoln, he goes after the, the amendments pass, he goes, Hey, now you have to lead us out of it. Um, you know, that your job's not done. And another moment where the movie could have just ended. Um, and, uh, it's just, and, and that dialogue piece of dialogue kind of sticks with you is cause you know, he never gets the chance. He, uh, Lincoln never gets to see the country out of the Civil War. Um, and, and, and you know, a, a pretty cool what if is, you know, how different the country would, would be now if, if Lincoln had gotten the opportunity to lead the, the nation coming out of the Civil War. And, yeah. It's a marvel. He dies like what four if? days, five yeah. days. I should say he gets shot like four or five days after the uh, the surrender, right? And then he, he gets shot in the evening and then dies in the morning the next day. So, yeah, it, it is one of those things where I was like, it put a lot of pieces in my brain together as to what was going on. So uh, as far as historically. Now, we at the beginning, I had mentioned Sally Field and uh, as I said, Eric and I, big fans. Um, and you went, uh, I don't know how I feel about her in this movie. What, what were your thoughts on the Mary Todd character? Uh, I mean, she, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about Mary Todd. Um, so it's like, you know, if, if that's, and then I know that a large inspiration for this film was taken from a, a book, um, that was, uh, about Lincoln's life, um, obviously, but, uh, I don't know. I like, I don't know who you know, Mary Todd was other than Lincoln's wife. So, um, I mean, I think she, she plays the, the role. Well, uh, if Mary Todd was this unhinged, um, woman and kind of, uh, had some mental health issues and, uh, and Sally Field's a great actress. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't know. Like she, like some of the scenes in this film were just like, uh, abrasive, um, to me, like she just comes off that way. And if, if that's how if that's who that person really was, then yeah, um, you know Sally Field plays are great. Um, I just don't know enough about Mary Todd to be like, huh, that's that's a weird that's a weird way to play that character. But um, she's I mean she's she's good. Uh, she was nominated for an Academy Award here for for the performance, and um, I just I, I don't know I don't know. I think she comes off as like un- unpredictable and. I don't want to say selfish, but definitely an advocate for her own priorities. Right. And at, at, 
the expense of anything else. You know, like she's going to she's going to advocate strongly for herself, possibly from a place of emotionally in emotional instability right like she kind of reminded me of like a pinball she's just like pew 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 like just like bouncing off of what's going on and no matter what's going on she's going to like put forward her own agenda strongly you know um yeah i thought i thought it was a fascinating character like in in general i thought that this movie made me want to learn more about Lincoln and Mary Todd and yeah. and Tommy Lee's character and and so on. It's very rare that I come out from a movie and think, I think I might find like some books, you know. <laughs> but that's kind of how I felt after this. I was like, I, I think I want I want to know more about this, you know. Um, and for a movie like we talked, the one thing that kept coming to my mind while watching this was um, Amistad, where Amistad is a lot of courtroom drama, and you're like. I, I thought it was going to be about these slaves on this boat. And it was really just about the courtroom drama where this is kind of, it's not a courtroom, but it's a political piece about the politics around I mean, it the might time. as well be a courtroom. Oh yeah. I mean, yes, but I found it so much more riveting and enjoyable and entertaining than the courtroom stuff from Amistad. Whereas Amistad, I felt focused on the wrong things. I thought like the story should have been around the survivors of the Amistad, and it was really about the lawyers, you know. And I'm like, that's not really the most interesting story here. Um, but it it was able to take something that's actually kind of dry. Politics could be really dry, but the drama of him, like I really like the part where he goes to see the trio of mercenaries, um, lobbyists or whatever, and he's like, well, who you've been trying to recruit? And then he started going door to door and he started, um, you know, making those uh, stops to get those votes and stuff. And I just all that effort that goes into it. And um, it was really interesting. And I think the characters, so many of them get such a short amount of screen time and yet can convey so much. I think of the guy when Lincoln goes to his house and the guy's like, listen. Um, I hate all black people. I hate them. And then he even says almost pained. I'm, um, what did he say? I'm a racist man. I'm a prejudiced man. I'm a prejudiced man. And almost like came across pained. Like I was like, damn, you know, but he, and then Ling is like, yeah, but your brother died on the side of the union and for, you know, these people. And it just, like even that moment, you're like, okay, is he gonna vote? Which way is he gonna vote? And in the end, he doesn't flip, and you're like, well, I guess that makes sense. But um, you know, I just, it's a brief scene, and yet it's so expertly done that I understand the character where they're coming from, and w- when they get to his vote, it makes sense from a character development. I, I there's, okay, let's do this. What didn't you like about this movie? Oh no! I got nothing. I I, I got nothing. I, I wanted to say about your Amistad comment. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think you're dead on. Like the movie ended, and my wife immediately said, oh, "I just think he wanted to do some more Amistad stuff." That's what. And I had the same thought during the movie. Like this feels like Amistad Part Two, without 
my gripes about Amistad, right? Like, my gripes about Amistad were, like, essentially, in the end, it didn't impact American policy at all. It was just one case, and these guys got to go free, and that was it. Like, it was not, it made it out to be this pivotal moment in American history, but in, in reality, it wasn't. It was not a pivotal moment. They won one case, and then nothing changed. Whereas this actually was this this pivotal moment and so it felt very much like it i almost felt like he was answering himself uh for amistad with this film you know because it is very similar in a lot of ways but this one just feels so much better right like it just writes all of the wrongs that i didn't like in amistad um so yeah, but if you're talking about what what if the question was what we didn't like in well, this movie, any, yeah, um, there there is nothing that I didn't like in this movie. Like when it first started out, I was a little taken aback. Like, oh, this is what this is about, you know. And in the first thirty minutes of kind of like catching up and figuring out what's going on, it can be challenging sometimes in movies. Like when you're first like kind of like getting your head around what we're here for, you know. Um, but I wouldn't say that I didn't like it. I was just a little surprised by yeah. it, you know? I had a similar feeling. Anything uh, other than uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt you didn't like, Mark? Uh, n- no. I mean, there's... <sighs> no. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm right there with Eric. <laughs> it's, um, and I think one of the strongest things about in about this film and you can say this about a lot of Spielberg's film is cuz he does a lot of work with Spielberg is Tony Kushner um uh, who wrote the screenplay and uh I, I, him and Spielberg are kind of like a, a a duo um I was just looking through his filmography a little while ago and and uh you know he's written a ton of Spielberg films. And I I think that's why Spielberg's very successful is that this guy knows how to, how to write stories and, um, write stories for the actors in his film. Um, uh, let me ask, let me ask you guys this. What did you, what did you think about Daniel day Lewis as Lincoln? I Um, thought he was wonderful. It's so, it's so different from the way Lincoln is regularly portrayed in movies. Like think of think of like the Bill and Ted Lincoln, right? You get this booming voice, four score and seven years ago. Hey, you know, I, there was a moment in the film where he was doing one of his last speeches at the end. I just went party on, dudes, because it just reminded me. Of that. But that's like your stereotypical Lincoln, yeah, right, and. I read that Daniel Day Lewis asked for a year and then read like a hundred Lincoln books, right? And like, like this is a guy that does the work, you know. If, oh, he is a maniac. If, he, yeah. yeah. If there's ever going to be an accurate portrayal of Lincoln, as best we can know, without having had any recordings of him or anything like that, if anybody's going to did have a time machine though, so right. that's probably the most accurate one but if anybody's gonna like absorb all the available information and synthesize it into something that resembles a realistic portrayal of lincoln it's daniel day lewis right like they they picked the right guy to do this um and so like i was i was surprised at the beginning by his portrayal because he is soft-spoken he has like a higher tone he doesn't have this big booming voice you know as he's not gravelly um he's a little rambling and and 
I'm going to say this uh, because I know, I think, my brother-in-law doesn't listen to this podcast. He reminded Uh. (laughs) me so much of my brother-in-law. I've got this guy in my family, and he's like very tall in stature. He's very soft-spoken. Uh, you know, he's like this towering presence, but you have to get right up on him to hear what he's saying. He's secretly brilliant, you know, and and he, when he does speak, he always has like really insightful, intelligent things to say. And that's who Lincoln reminded me of like so much. I saw so much of my brother-in-law in in this portrayal of Lincoln, which made me think a little differently about my brother-in-law. Like, do you remind me of Abraham Lincoln or is Abraham Lincoln That's not the worst person to be compared (laughs) to. But uh, he, the the thing I guess that I'm getting at is that he felt human and he felt real and he felt relatable. Like he he felt like a real person, which is not always what you get from these historic portrayals of these major figures, right? Like I th- I thought the scenes with the younger son were fantastic because it showed how much like what a person he was and how much he loved engaging with his little kid, you know, and what a good dad he could be. And, and same thing with the strained relationship with the older son, you know, like that's, it was human to me, you know? And, and so I thought that it was a great portrayal of a real human being trying to accomplish something that was nigh impossible under the most difficult of circumstances, you know, and, and I, I, there wasn't a moment that felt false to me. Um, one of the questions I was going to ask at the end to you guys is like real realistic or not, is this Abraham Lincoln, somebody that you would personally want to spend any amount of time with? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Expound on that, please. <laughs> you don't like his stories. Damn it. I, I, I just I don't I as as great of a, a, a figure that he is in history and I just and I think the movie does a really good job of showcasing it is I think he would have been very hard to get along with I um he's just he's very um philosophical and just um just has these uh I think I think you said earlier, Eric, something about Mark Twain. He just strikes me as a, a, a here in this film, he strikes me as a very Mark Twain type Abraham Lincoln. Um, and I, I don't know if that's a, an accurate um, statement, but um, I just I, I don't I don't think I'd be able to get along with the person that Lincoln is or was from a personality perspective, right? Right. I, you say you spend any amount of time with, I could probably, I wouldn't mind sitting in a room and picking his brain a bit. It would be a bit annoying for me. I'm a very direct person. And in this movie, this version of Lincoln is not necessarily direct, except for in some moments. He generally always leads with that anecdote. So at some point, I'd be like, bro, do you want ice cream for dessert? You know, just, <laughs> I don't need to know any more than that. Uh, so I could see that being annoying, but an afternoon uh, picking his brain would be interesting. And he is a calm presence, which I like because I like calm, please. Um, 
So I, I could have a, I could share a lunch with him, but I might be in Mark's boat before long. It's like, this dude told me so much. <laughs> not everything <laughs> needs to be expounded upon in such a manner. He's like, I mean, Jesus. I, I, I'd watch his TED Talks. Right? Like, he's going to communicate through stories. Yeah. Now, um, I did read that an earlier version of this film that Spielberg had been working on, um, he had uh, the idea of casting uh, Liam Neeson as Abraham Lincoln. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, but think about it. To Liam Neeson's no. credit, he took himself out of the running. Like, like he was he was cast in this movie for like ten years or something before they made yeah. the movie, and eventually he's like, you know what, dude, I've gotten too old to play this yeah. part, and I I just I don't feel that I'm right for it anymore, and he just bowed out, and uh, that's that's when Spielberg went after Daniel Day Lewis, who you know it, who who initially refused. Daniel Day Lewis was like, nah. He was the first choice, can't, and then said no. Yeah, can't do it. Like too much, too hard, too diff- like I can't do it. And uh, according to lore, um, Leonardo DiCaprio talked him into it. Talked him into trying it. Like they had. A oh, they were on the set of Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. Yeah. <laughs> Leo's like, bro, take that part. Come on, what are you doing? Spielberg movie. <laughs> Dan- Come on. Dan Day Lewis is in character the entire time. He's like, no, I will not take this part. Tapping his eye with a knife. (laughs) (laughs) Seems a little difficult. (laughs) I would like to watch that video. (laughs) Funny. So uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I thought was interesting, right? This movie came out in, uh, what was the year? 2012, right? Mm So 10, 11 years ago. Here's a quote from a review that I was reading uh, by Brian Egger on Deep Focus Review. Right, so this is this is eleven years ago. Uh, he's he's talking about uh, getting getting the votes, you know, to pass the Emancipation Proclamation or not, not the Thirteenth Amendment. The practices by which they secure votes probably haven't changed much in the last two hundred years, even if the House debates have. Watching such televised debates today, one scenes sees staid, humorless etiquette followed to the letter. Lincoln's era boasted shouting, name-calling, and passionate beliefs aired in kinetic floor debates that force us to wonder where the passion in American politicians has gone. Boy, this is timely. Let me say, because we've had some shouting recently. Right? At the, I don't know that that's... Okay, I'll say this. I don't know that I want... I mean, maybe if everybody's shouting, there has to be some decorum. Like me, I'm more of a fan of let's talk... I admit, not that we ever had these days in my lifetime, but I dream of the day where two people with two differing opinions can have a debate about topics and actually talk about their policies, a la Elizabeth Warren, who I loved because that's what she did, but she didn't get any voters because of it, because that's not what everybody else wants. Sorry, whatever. But I, I would long for the days of people to just say, Here's the debate. Here's the pros, the cons. Here's why I'm in favor of it. Here's why I'm against it. And let's have some sort of decorum. That being said, have you ever watched British Parliament? It's so fun. That, it is so it, fun is to insane. watch. insane. The way they just roar. Like the whole floor, somebody will say something shitty and everybody will just be like, oh. They stand up and <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like a soccer game. Out. Yeah, it's pretty great. I was like, now that, like an organized chaos, I kind of would be here for. 
Yeah, I, I, but I don't think we can. I don't think we can be in a place where you've got Trump interrupting Biden throughout the entire debate. Right? That's a bad place. Yeah. But if there's some sort of organized way to say, "Hey, we agree or disagree," as a you know half the party, I think that that could be fun. The British Parliament is really entertaining. I have no idea what was happening, but I was watching it one day and I was like, "Damn, this is so much more compelling." I, I just thought it was funny that this guy wrote this 11 years ago and it was kind of like, oh, dude, you you don't know. Like, you don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. Like, we're in a place right now where, you know, during the State of the Union, people are yelling, you suck at the president. <laughs> it's like, shit, man, pull it together a little bit. That's the president of the United States. Like, why are you yelling, like, with your so, donkey like, face? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Donkey face. Uh, so, but like, but that's a that's an interesting point, is because Lincoln. There, there is no scene in this film where Lincoln is in that room, right? Um, where everybody's debating, and and there's so like it makes me it wonder. Made me wonder if he's not allowed. Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry, but it just made me wonder <laughs> if like the president's not allowed in that forum to I, influence I, things. I I don't know, but um. Yeah. It makes me wonder if Lincoln had been in that room, would they have shouted some of the same things at him? Um, you know, it's only oh, Pace would have. Well, his right. wife was For there. Sure. They clearly <laughs> knew that his wife was sitting up there, and that yeah. didn't stop them from talking so much shit about the president. Right. Um, and it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I don't know, like, as a matter of like governmental procedure. I kind of feel like the president doesn't go like the vice president is there. Right. And the vice president can cast a deciding vote. Like I know that that's one of the primary things that the vice president does. Or is that the Senate? Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of fucked when it comes to knowing. Like, I think it's Congress. No, I think they it's overse- Congress. They oversee the Senate. But I, I think like the state of the union is one of the few times that the president can go and actively address, you know, the, the, the Senate and the house. So, um, yeah, I don't. I don't think he goes. I think you're right. I think like yeah. he in, he can influence from the outside, and he can definitely like go and talk to individuals and try to win them over. But I don't think that he shows up there, or they. It's so far all he's. But I don't think the president, as a matter of procedure, goes there. Right? Like one thing I thought you mentioned that he's one thing that was I always found weird to me i don't know in perspective of the way white men hate people generally speaking is like uh what we're gonna free the slaves and then what let them vote and everybody's like boo and then it's like then what women voting and the the place erupts in booze <laughs> like unif unified all of them were like no <laughs> and i was like holy shit well I, it was a wild moment i think what the movie does a great job of is is also showing how much opposition in in the north there was for right. for you know women's suffrage well yeah and the and the 13th amendment right like these are all northerners and they're having a hard time pushing this thing through because even in the north like we hear in history class in fourth grade you know the south wanted slaves the north didn't want slaves and then there was a war and then there were no slaves like you don't really realize that there were all these bastards up in the north who were just like no 
we have to have the slaves and this this movie does a really great job of it i loved the scene at the beginning where those people come in to bitch about their toll booth you know it reminded me of game of thrones where like people were outside waiting to come talk to the king like and then they ate my sheep the dragon ate my sheep and then the king's like ah oh, we'll try to keep the dragons from eating your sheep that's what it reminded me of like like just anybody can show up and talk to the president about whatever dumb shit they want to talk about so this couple comes in and they're like ah oh, you know we they took the toll booth and we're supposed to have the toll booth because john quincy adams said we could have the toll booth and the secretary of state takes a moment and it's just like oh these are real people let's let's just illustrate this point to the president and ask these real people what they think and so they're like hey do you approve of the the 13th amendment and the people are like well yeah because the president says it'll stop the war and if we can pass it it'll stop the war and then he says what if the war is over do you still approve of the 13th amendment they're like no absolutely like no way you're like absolutely not and i i thought that that was a really interesting insight just into like the state of the populace you know like like the the day-to-day people on the street weren't necessarily a hundred percent behind this you know like they wanted to well some of them at least wanted to maintain the status quo as as it was and then you had like these quote thinking people being leaders and like trying to kind of push this through in the face of all of this opposition um I don't know. I, I thought it was very, very interesting. It just kind of goes to show that uh, it wasn't as clear cut and there have always been bastards and uh, there have always been bastards in Congress, you know, th- like being the way that they are. Um, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting stuff. So I just uh, did some internet research uh, and um from the this is what the internet says from the standpoint of the constitution the president and congress are equals as a result the president does not visit the halls of congress without a formal invitation uh the state of the union is a constitutional responsibility but he's invited by congress to speak uh and it goes on to say that um nobody would stop him if he did but it would be seen as a very egregious procedural violation if he did either go to the house of representatives or uh or um the senate it's probably the same for the supreme court right the president isn't yeah. showing up at the supreme court like the president uh chooses supreme court justices which are then ratified by the senate and in the house um in in the best of times not always because sometimes people are just assholes and refuse to do it even though they should because it's their fucking job anyhow um so uh but anyhow like the president doesn't show up at the the supreme court and try to influence policy there either right like i I don't most presidents don't yeah yeah um you have to wonder how much contact they have outside of that realm you know like can the president just be like hey supreme court justice you want to come to lunch like (laughs) can we talk talk about some current shit or is it more just like oh i need to stay out of this you know like i I don't know how much uh how much influence they're allowed to have or pedal against each other you know you want to come down to my golf course in florida right for a weekend right (laughs) 
Uh, so I think I was listening to a podcast, I think it's the 1619 podcast by the New York Times, which is about slavery and uh, inequality. And one of the things they mentioned on that podcast is that actually uh, Lincoln was maybe not in favor of, but thought of segregation as a solution um, to uh, once slaves are freed because he uh, shared an opinion that maybe black and white people couldn't live together, uh, which is kind of in like the sign of the times. And obviously he did a lot for, um, you know, setting slaves free, um, but wasn't a perfect person either. Like in his views, um, history.com, writes uh, for much of his career Lincoln believed that colonization or the idea of a majority of African American African American population should leave the United States and settle in Africa or Central America as a best way to confront the problem of slavery uh, his two great political heroes Henry Clay and Thomas Jefferson both favored communism colonization both were enslavers who took issues with aspects of slavery but saw no way for black and white men or black and white people to live together peaceably um that's interesting. just kind of an interesting like nuance to because he's he's really highly regarded historically for good reason right i um don't want to minimize any of it right but um i was watching you ever seen the show the good place mm-hmm. yeah and and they say, well, who else? Um, uh, well, who who's in the bad place? And Ted Danson says every president except Lincoln, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> so and he's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I just he also was a part of his time. Yeah, and I think I think so. There is part of that. Like the movie kind of look re- at, and reflects that a little bit in the scene where he's talking to the the housekeeper lady at the white house who clearly is of pretty high stand like she's not just the housekeeper she's like sally field's companion like they're always together right um but like she asks him you know and he or they're having this conversation about what will happen you know after the slaves are free and you can see he's kind of trepidation like he's like he doesn't know how to answer right like he's kind of like I don't know. Like I, he, I don't, I don't know you people. You know, like like <laughs> you people exactly. Like like I mean, that's not word for word what he says, but that's the inference, right? Um, and uh, it does it does kind of rock you back on your heels for a moment because you're like, oh yeah, you know, this guy doesn't have all the answers. Like he's got a moral compass. He's got you know this sense of right and wrong he's got this extreme discomfort with the idea of slavery continuing and he's going to do everything he can to stop it but he doesn't have all the answers right and and some things in his head might not be the best ideas you know like well i just wanted to point out to the difference between tommy lee jones right oh yeah and and him you know tommy lee is like you said he goes all the way with it like yeah but i I also don't think that tommy lee jones's character started out that way i think you know um because he very clearly had a housekeeper um who was african-american or uh, but she could have been a freed person who was employed 
but we don't know. I mean, but that's the thing is that you know, yeah. um, I'm just saying we don't know. <laughs> I, I, th- I think <laughs> but, I think the whole saying is "never meet your heroes" is probably accurate. Um, is because it doesn't matter who it is. There's a there's a there's a not so great side to everybody, and and especially during times of a lot of tribulation, especially in the country at that time. Um, you know, it, I mean, wait, 1865. So we're talking a hundred years since, um, you know, the declaration of independence was signed and there's a lot of change in the country then. And we look at like where we are now and then 1865 and how much the, uh, the country has changed. And so, I would venture to say that there's a lot of probably gray area morals um, behind every single person in this film. I would say that's true. I I feel like there's probably a lot of gray area morals in every human being that has ever lived. (laughs) I mean, there's no, there's no black and white. It's, 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 it's it's impossible to live your life black and white. Yeah. It's impossible. It is very, difficult i think i think like everybody in this movie i feel like all of us are doing our best to muddle through and be the best human beings that we can be i don't know if all of us are trying to be the best human beings that we can be but at least some of us are trying to be the best human beings we can be and that is almost never successful right like like i think it's the trying that matters you know i i would hate to be uh, put on the scales of, you know, and, and d- determine how good I've been able to be versus how much of an asshole I am. Uh, because I, I think that all of us have uh, different aspects of our personality that are probably less than admirable. I, I One thing, and this is just this version of Lincoln in that scene we were talking about where he's talking with the housekeeper or... Um, where he he says, you know, I guess I'll get used to it. You know, I think what like thing that would be good is if people could admit their shortcomings. Right. Like to me, the best way to tell if someone's racist, if they say I'm the least racist person you can meet. <laughs> um, but I think everybody can acknowledge. Yeah, I've got shortcomings. I need to learn and be better. Um you know, like I don't fully understand what it's like to be a black person in America and I probably never will, but I'd like to learn. Um, and I think that moment where he's like, I I guess I'll have to get used to it or learn, you know, like that's a shortcoming I'm aware of and I'm open to it changing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think we've kind of, do you have any other questions? No, no, we've, we've covered everything organically and i think I, I like a lot of the stuff that i had prep mark beat me to with his research so <laughs> bah, bah, bah. Uh, yeah that's uh it's been great having you here man like oh pretty yeah appreciate wh- you guys, i'm man. curious this- why why did you decide to come to this one what made you i, don't, I don't know I, jeff asked me the same question a couple of months ago i was like i don't fucking know um <laughs> hey you picked a good one you picked a good I, one i think I, I i i remember picking it because i hadn't seen it um, and it's one of those films that you kind of just put on the list and it's like, yeah, maybe I'll get around to it whenever. Um, and this seemed like a good opportunity to watch a movie. I probably would not like go out of my way to watch. Um, and I'm glad I did, uh, this, um, I, I learned, I learned a lot about, uh, 
these films from from listening to you guys um you know almost on a weekly basis so um appreciate you guys having me on this is uh this is fun absolutely yeah we're where can people find you? Well, uh, so I'm on Twitter. You can find me at uh, I heard you liked. Um, I'm pretty pretty open about my my movie tastes over there. I pretty exclusively talk talk movies on the Twitter. Um, well, there's another place you talk movies. I do. Would you let me? Just, you don't have to <laughs> micromanage my spiel, uh, Jeff. The uh, so me and Jeff do a, a a movie review podcast, the the movie Draft House, where we uh, pick. Uh, a monthly theme and then we we draft movies uh for a, a weekly review um and we are uh in year number two of doing that and uh still having fun we're coming we're approaching episode 100 we might be out by the time this episode releases but you know excellent anyway if you want to get in touch with us here at spielberg side of the house you could do so at spielberg chrono on twitter eric is eric's underscore hotter on Twitter as I am podcast by Jeff. Uh, you can check out the aforementioned movie Draft House as well as my mini series podcast, 10 Week Pro Wrestling Crash Course, wherever you get your pods. Next week, it's Bridge of Spies. Never seen it. Oh yeah. That'll that'll be a good one. We're like we're really getting close. We literally close have to six the end now. Core films left. Right. When are we gonna bring Elliot back? When when is that after Bridge of Spies. After Bridge of Spies, then we start moving back into Jurassic World again. We have to watch the shit fest. Well, I've not <laughs> seen two or three. I really like the first Jurassic World, so we'll see if that stays the There's a, sh- the there's same, a but- short we're going to have to sneak in there, too. Uh, I'll, I'll figure out where it is. But they did produce a short in between two of those Jurassic World movies, and it's actually one of the best things in that series. Okay. It's, it's only like five or ten minutes long. But it's really, really cool. Well, you can just watch it like as part of the other in preparation. Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll right. just lump I'm it not in with put one another episode. No, no, together no, no, for no. It. We'll lump it in with one of the other ones. So I just want to make sure that we don't forget it because it's pretty cool. Yeah, Jeff. Right, Jeff, am, well, I, am I back? Um, uh, you will be back in you're on West Side Story, which is the second to last episode. Oh, I'm oh, really looking okay. forward to it. I've never seen it. I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that one. So you'll be you'll be back in about five episodes, which is ten weeks, give or take. Um, but maybe not real world time. You know, mm. probably sooner than that. Yeah, knowing us. Mm. But anyway, we're out of here, um, and we'll see you in two weeks for Bridge of Spies. Bye, y'all. <laughs>